0: Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where each book feels like a different relationship. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. And I'm Meredith. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. How are How is everybody doing this wonderful, wonderful morning?
1: This wonderful morning, I'm doing pretty well. I've been having like the greatest nerd couple of weeks ever. Last week was Awesome Con, and my inner child just just completely lost it um there was one point where our friend michelle like she had to hold me up i'm pretty sure (laughs) oh well they i went to the mary mcdonald panel so from battlestar galactica so we did that and that was back to back with the princess bride panel and carrie elwis and um oh my gosh now i'm blanking on his name because i'm so excited to talk about this prince Humperdinck, he was there (laughs) (laughs) And then it was back to back with a Star Trek Next Generation panel, and I was in the same room with freaking Doctor Beverly Crusher. People, I, I, I was that's, very happy. And, that's
0: pretty cool. <laughs>
1: yes, is. and yeah. Data, and Data was there. So, anyways, yeah, Riker was there. Yes, these these people have real names. I know <laughs> Wesley Crusher was there. Troy was there. It was just it was a great panel, and it was a lot of fun. And after that, I am having all these like childhood feels. And I'm walking down the exhibit floor to, talking to talking to Michelle, and I'm looking at pops, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." There's a Gem Pop, and this guy sitting behind the table is like, "And here is the voice actor who voiced Gem," and she's sitting right there, like next to him. And I was like, "That's what? awesome." What? I was like, if, <laughs> "I was like, if little kid me." Knew what grown-up me was gonna get to do today, she would have like died, just died, and I never would have made it. Oh
2: so, well, I'm I'm glad that you didn't die and you yes. got to experience that. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was
1: so, it was so cool. I was like, I, I don't know how to top the, today. So like, I didn't even go to Awesome Con on Sunday because I was like, I can't, can't oh. handle anymore.
2: Because um, it can't get uh, better than that, right? Right. It really right.
1: Can't. Don't
0: don't ruin the experience. No no downhills. Just leave it at the peak.
1: <laughs> yeah, really? So and then this week has been an all Meredith celebration weekend, having birthday brunch and free comic Aww. books and talking about Mare's Book Club book. It's gonna be great.
2: Yay, Meredith! Yeah. <laughs> it's a very bookish birthday weekend. That's the best kind. I was yeah. to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how are you doing, Meredith?
2: Oh, I am doing well. About to turn a year older, which you know is a thing I can't change, so I better accept it. <laughs> okay. um, and so, along with Free Comic Book Day, which is always fun, I guess it was maybe was it a week ago now, Jeanette, that we went with our friend Michelle to hear Angie Thomas speak.
1: Yes, that was two days before Awesome Cons. Like- Month guys. Sorry.
2: Continue. Yeah. It's just amazing. <laughs> so that was a that was a really fantastic talk, don't you think so, Jeanette?
1: Oh yeah. It really was. Angie's like she's hilarious but also super insightful.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So that was amazing. And I got her two books signed. And when I went up, I had my bag that has all my like enamel pins on them and stuff. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Your bag is so dope. And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a really fun experience. Definitely. Yeah. So nice. how are you, Susan?
0: Oh, I am well. Um, unfortunately, no big bookish events for me. Um, but that's okay because I have a kindergartner (laughs) who takes up all my time yeah, (laughs) and a three-year-old, but right now kindergarten because it is almost the end of the school year. So, um, not much has happened, uh, this past month, which is good. Um, kindergartners actually been doing pretty well. So it's like, yes, (laughs) that's always Um, good. Yeah. And it's not that she's bad. It's that she is on the younger side of her Mm. class. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was still four when she started school. So um, behavior is a big thing. (laughs) Um, So she has been doing really great. So I've been really proud of her for that. Um, Yeah. This coming month is going to be insane. Uh, There's a bunch of school stuff coming up, which I'm going to participate somewhat in and um i'll let you know about my feels about kindergarten moving up ceremony (laughs) oh do they
2: do like a little
0: graduation yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) they did that at my school too. i was you know just a word for kids who start kindergarten at four we're awesome we will always be awesome Yes. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And like, you Um, know what? You're fine. It's fine. Things will be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. See? Um, Yeah. But yeah, at my school, they did a little graduation at the end of kindergarten too. It was very cute. I remember. Yeah. It's just... I'm assuming it was cute. I thought it was fun because I was in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's she's practicing songs and music to sing and so she's telling me all these songs she's going to sing and I mean, this is very reminiscent of Mr. Incredible, right? And about you know kindergarten move on to the first grade it's you know about being special <laughs> I <Like>, think <laughs> it's very much hearken back to that speech always <laughs> <laughs> and then you know and then he had the math lecture in Incredibles 2 and I totally loved that because I was like what is this math and it's only kindergarten
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have not seen the Incredibles 2 oh so good but- I have I like seen, it. you know, some school math. It's, it's crazy.
0: It's different. Um, I think it is better, um, the kindergarten math anyway. I mean, she can add and subtract and stuff, which is, like, amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the way they teach it, it was different. So I was like, oh, I, I am living the math speech right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, yep, so that's my month.
1: Well, let's talk about what we're reading now then. so
2: Yeah, enough about math. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Know. We're not math people. We're here for Sorry. Reading, not math. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh,
1: so what are you guys reading now?
0: Um, well, I just I need to plug this audiobook because it's so good. Um, I finished listening to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which I have never done. Um And I was looking for an audio- audiobook to listen to until we found out what our next book was for eclectic readers. And um, I found the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It was only a few hours, and Anne Hathaway narrates it. Oh, nice! And she is phenomenal. Like she needs to read all the audiobooks. <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's yes. So cool. Like her pace was good. Her her reading was really good and she did all these like cute little voices for all the characters. Um It was it was so good. Like I highly recommend listening to that audiobook when if you get the chance. Yeah, that sounds so nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Yep. It's like I am so glad I decided to read this book or listen to it. <laughs> um good stuff. Um and I just started uh reading Quiet. Um that's my new pick up drop off waiting time book. Um
1: Yeah. I read, I saw yeah, that. you I've read, it. Been read- right, Yeah, I read that last year I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I said I remember you saying that you liked it. Um Yes, I did. So, and being quite an introvert, I was like this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, is it like a nonfiction thing?
0: Yes. 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 It's about introverts in an extrovert world. And right now it's like uh, she's talking about kind of like the evolution of how our society became more extroverted um, and geared towards extroversion than it is towards introversion.
2: Interesting. Um, Okay. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because she goes through and she talks about how like some people think they're introverts, but they're not really introverts. They might just be like sensitive like omniverts like right or
2: something Amber, like that ambiverts ambiverts
1: yeah because yeah, i would like there's like a little like quiz you can take and it turns out like i'm more i'm like a leaning toward introverted ambivert mm-hmm. but i'm sensitive and shy right. which leans me more towards the introvert side kind of thing yeah but they also talk about ways that Roles in society that you typically think should or could only be performed by extroverts, how introverts can bring different strengths Mm -hmm. to those roles. Yep. So it's really neat.
0: Yeah. Oh, that does sound nice. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Talking about the true false quiz, Jeanette?
1: Yeah. Okay. There's one of those in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I took the true false quiz, and I think only three of them were false for me. I was like, oh, I am quite introverted. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like slightly more. Like I had one or two more answers on the introvert side than the extrovert side. It mm-hmm. wasn't lots. right. So,
0: yep. Um. So yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, and I'm I'm liking it so far. Um. I have started reading A Thousand Mornings by Mary Oliver, um, which is a book of poetry, and. It's interesting. Um, I'm glad I'm starting it now because I feel like I have to go back to it and really think on some of the poems, you know. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So I'm glad I'm kind of starting it early. So I have the time to do that. Um, And I just picked my book for my local book club. So I'll start that soon, which is Lab Girl. And Meredith, I know you really like that one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was. That'll be another good audiobook I think you'll mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it especially because you you have a little bit of a science background and yeah. I mean this is more botany than probably what you were working with but I hated. it's botany. still really interesting
0: <laughs> I hated my botany professor so much <laughs> <Aww. laughs> oh he was yeah we won't go there but anyways <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully this will give you a better botany yes experience. <laughs> we have a better experience <laughs> um, and yes I'm, I think I'm like in between books right now because I b- finished like a couple like right at the end of the month, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I need to like pick it up. And because A Thousand Morning Suns, there's no audio book for it. I have to actually, I actually had to buy the ebook. I'm like, I actually have no audio book to read for work. So I need to figure out what I want to read for that one. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So what are you reading, Meredith? Or what? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I recently finished a reread of Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen as an audio book. Which was, of course, delightful, as yes. most Austin books are. I forgot how funny that one was.
1: <laughs> it is. I forgot that too. I listened to that back in the fall. It's very funny.
2: It is. I was chuckling a lot. Um, so that was cool to, to reread. And I also recently finished The Everlasting Rose by Danielle Clayton, which, if you've listened to any of our Novatine interviews, you know that Jeanette and I interviewed her recently. We did and she is a lovely and very interesting person. So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, you definitely should. Um it's not spoilery. Uh obviously because I just finished the second book now and I definitely didn't want to be spoiled before I finished it. <laughs> um so I I thought it was really interesting. I the the way she wrote it, it could be the end and I think I would have been okay with that, but she did mention that there will be a third book. So Ooh. That one should be interesting. Hopefully we'll get more information on that soon.
1: Yeah. I, I'm excited about that. I was very excited. When she told me that it there would be, well, she told us that it would be a third book, I was like, oh, okay. That changed my entire perspective on the second book because I was not okay with it ending where it ended. Yeah.
2: Fascinating. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So huh. maybe I was more okay with the way it ended because I had that information going in, whereas you did not. <laughs> yes. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I want to go back and reread it with fresh eyes now that I know that. Mm -hmm,
2: mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I finished those recently. What I'm currently reading is uh, The Descendant of the Crane by Joan, is it he? I guess it's H-E. And it's actually a brand new young adult uh, Asian-inspired fantasy. And it's been on my TBR for a little while just because I somehow... I don't know if I saw it in an article or something, but it has this really gorgeous cover. So gorgeous. And, you know, me and my covers. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so I ended up actually winning a copy of it in a Twitter giveaway, which was awesome. So I started that recently, and it's really... It's really interesting because it is, I mean, I guess it's young adult, but it's it's one of those where, I mean, they're teenagers, but because of the time period and everything, like, they're already doing adult things. Like, the is one it, teenager has to become queen. Is you it a new adult? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new adult in medieval China. I don't know. Um So, but it is more of a political fantasy, like, we're starting to get into some of the magic now, but it's more about, like, you know, you find out right at the beginning that the king was murdered, and so, like, they're having trials to figure out who murdered him, and was it someone from a neighboring country that's trying to, like, start a war, and, you know, like, so... It's it's really it's very interesting. The the political and social aspects of the book have been interesting. So um, I'm I think I'm a little more than halfway through. So there's still more to come. We'll see how that one ends up. But so far so good. And then I also needed just like a random audio book to have around while I'm doing things. So I am about halfway through with Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil (laughs) deGrasse Tyson. How are you liking that? I've been eyeing that. So, I mean, again, like saying I'm not a math person, I'm not a science person either, really. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting. A lot of it is still kind of over my head or Mm -hmm. like I would probably have to read it twice to really let anything sink in. (laughs) Right. Um, So it's like some interesting tidbits. And, you know, Neil... Uh, deGrasse Tyson is the one that does the audiobook narration and he has such a like this velvety smooth he voice does. So, yeah so like it's very calming and interesting mm-hmm. but like I have learned that dark matter is our frenemy. yeah and um <laughs> what else did he say I Einstein was a badass <laughs> <laughs> I mean so
0: that's the, why those you are my takeaways
2: those are my the takeaways. books for yeah exactly those so yeah, so so far so good. And it's a super short audiobook, which is also nice too. Mm. So I can feel accomplished very quickly. <laughs> I read a book about astrophysics. It doesn't mm. matter that I didn't understand any of it. But.
1: <laughs> and I read it really quickly, so. <laughs> it's a very impressive thing to say. <laughs> oh, yes.
2: <laughs> so what are you reading, Jeanette?
1: Okay, so I finished Lou by Jason Reynolds, which is the last book in his track series. And I'm sad it's over, but it it was a cute ending. And, you know, I'm sticking to that goal of like working through series that I've wanted to finish. So yay, yay. Yay. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also read the resolutions by Mia Garcia, which is a YA about these four friends. And, You know, it's New Year's and they're going to, you know, the next school year they're going to be seniors, right? And they've been friends for so long and they're kind of worried about drifting apart and what happens when they go to college. So they decide that they're each going to make, um, they're going to have their resolutions made by their friends. So three of the friends get together, make up a New Year's resolution and give it to the fourth friend. And they do that for each other. And then it's kind of like the consequences of these resolutions. You know, one girl has been um, working in her mother's, um, her mother's restaurant, but she's not really able to seek out her own goals. So they gave that girl a choose your own adventure resolution. She's like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, you'll figure it out. (laughs) Another... Yeah, another girl is, she's like the classic overachiever. And so they tell her to say yes to everything, kind of giving her that, you know, permission to say yes and have fun. Um, but it backfires in a really weird way. And um, another one, he's getting over a breakup. So they're like, kiss someone that's wrong for you. And, you know, show your art. And he he's the most like, I hate this at the beginning. And he's one of the first to like dive in and be like, okay, let me try this. So it's really, really cool. I'm missing one of the kids. Oh, one of the girls, she, she, um, all of the kids, um, are Latin American teens, which is really cool. And one of them I really related to, she doesn't speak Spanish. And so they told her to learn Spanish because it's something she's always wanted to do, but she's never gotten around to. So she, kind of dives in and kind of, and reconnects with her her parents through learning Spanish and kind of comes to terms with some family drama. So that sounds like great.
2: an interesting premise. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was super, super fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I think it's something that I'm going to have to buy because it's one of the th- those books that if I'd had it as a kid, I think it would have meant a lot to me. Oh, you, yeah. you don't see a lot of... Um, Latin American teens and like, books. Or at least you didn't when we were kids. Now you're seeing more of them. But. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like, this is so amazing. Yay. So there's that one. There's The Marrow Thieves by Sherry Dimaline. I'm probably saying her name wrong. Sorry. Um, that one is a dystopian, because of course it is, um, <laughs> about... Um, it's near future, and people have wrecked the world, and they've lost their ability to dream. And only the indigenous tribes of North America have retained that ability. So they are being hunted um, for people to try and extract dreams from their bone marrow. Uh,
2: (laughs) Oh, Yeah,
1: it sounds like a very odd premise, but what's interesting about it is that the author kind of uses this premise to explore the mistreatment of indigenous tribes in history. And that's kind of more the focus. And I really appreciated that. I thought that was a really cool way to go about it. Yeah. The only thing I could say about it was like, I wanted more, more. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Is that going to be a series or is it a standalone?
1: Right now it looks like it's a standalone. And it's gotten a lot of accolades. And I can find nothing anywhere about it being a series.
0: Keep it a standalone.
1: I, (laughs) (laughs) I did see some stuff about them turning it into maybe a TV show or something. Mm. So maybe we'll see more if it does become a TV show. So. Okay, cool. That'd be kind of interesting. Yep. So, and then I wrapped up my audio reread of uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Yay! Which, of course, left me crying multiple times today as I'm driving around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, As you do when you need Half-Blood Prince. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I always get to the crying parts of Harry Potter when I get to work. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's really funny because I'll be, like, about to bawl my eyes out as I'm pulling into the parking lot. I'm like, I can't sit here in the car crying. Like, other (laughs) teachers and students will become concerned. Like, I cannot do this. (laughs) So I kind of have to, like, piece myself back together. Yeah. So Aww. I like turned it off, and it was funny because I actually ended up finishing it on my way to Meredith's house yesterday. So I like pulled up and parked, and I'm like, Meredith's gonna think I've been like, you know, broken hearted or something because I was all sniffy. No, managed to compose myself before.
2: We yeah, ran I think into you did a pretty other. good job. Yeah, yeah.
0: and Meredith so, would have understood if you still had tears in your eyes. You know? Yes, <laughs> I would have just said half blood prince, and she would have gotten me.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so currently, I'm working on Magic Hours by Tom Bissell, which is an essay collection um, about creators and creativity, and Ahsoka by E. K. Johnston, which is a Star Wars novel. Because yeah, oh. you know, may the fourth people.
2: <laughs> may the fourth be with you. Exactly. And also with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's been been fun. And um, I got news, guys.
2: Oh, please, tell. It's, yes.
1: it's that time of year again. It's Eclectic greet a time.
0: Woo! Yay! It's so fun.
1: <laughs> it is. I'm so excited. And so it will be at the end of June. So you've got a month to get prepped, people. Yep. Stack, start stacking your books now. Yep. It'll go <laughs> yeah. from June 28th. 8 p.m. to June 29th, 8 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. Yes. That's And that's a Friday to a Saturday. Um, we will be giving prizes out for the most hours read and one for the most points won. So if you guys remember, we do it scavenger hunt style. We'll have a list of points that you can achieve. And if the most person who gets the most points in their scavenger hunt wins a prize. Um, our prizes, unfortunately, this year we're only doing u.s winners and we apologize to our international listeners but it it has been difficult to get prizes to you and we just didn't think it was fair if we can't promise we can get you a prize right so yeah
2: yeah. exactly but we hope you'll still participate because it's still a lot of fun it is a lot of fun and honestly i really don't get that much reading in
0: (laughs) Well, we then, do like, have a
2: lot of hosting responsibilities.
0: Yeah, but like it's so fun just seeing like everybody's like responses to the check-in questions, and then like the books they use to find their scavenger hunt stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, it's so fun.
2: <laughs> it is. It's really fun. Um, so I think we'll probably still use our hashtag Eclectic Readathon, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And so um, the way we do the scavenger hunt is through a thread in our Goodreads group so yep. if you want to join that for the scavenger hunt great but we do like the check-in questions and stuff we'll do those on our litzy and twitter pages too if you just yep. want to have an excuse to read and then you know check in from time to time with us yeah yes
1: and check-ins yep. are also worth points and we get to have some fun book discussions like who would you have brunch with from the mm-hmm. book you're currently reading and then exactly. you get to like tell us all about the characters that would be fun to have brunch with
0: exactly And it's like a good little break, you know, just put a book down from all that reading and then like, hey, I'm going to take a break. Let's see what the (laughs) check-in questions are.
1: (laughs) And I, I, you know, I usually find that I do get some reading in. Um, So I'm excited about it because it's that time of the year where I can say to the family, Okay, for the next four hours, I'm on Eclectic Readathon duty, so you need to let me sit here and read my book and check Let's See a hundred times. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be so much fun. And being that it's June 28th and June 29th, it's going to be right by the 10th anniversary of when we formed Eclectic Readers as a book club. <sighs>
2: Wow, isn't that crazy? Yeah, Long and it's going to be time. the fourth
1: anniversary of our podcast. Right.
2: Four years, guys. Yeah. We've been talking yeah. into microphones for four, four years. years. Lots lots have happened. <laughs> Indeed. You would think
1: I would have, you know, stopped bumping this table by now, but I still do it occasionally. Sorry, David. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <sighs> That's okay. That's why we have them around. <laughs> <laughs> Just make those bumps go away. <laughs>
1: That's why you keep your husband around.
0: Exactly. Make those bumps go away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to start talking about celebrity book clubs. So we've been reading a book about a celebrity. So we thought we'd start thinking about it. We've talked a, a little bit in the past about celebrities and their interactions with books in terms of memoirs but there are a lot of celebrities out there who just run their own book clubs and share what they're reading and discuss it with fans. Do you guys follow any of these celebrity book clubs?
2: So I think the whole celebrity book club is a really interesting concept, you know, like you, you, You kind of feel like you know these people because, you know, you see them acting and suddenly you know them personally. But um, this really gives you a look into their non-acting or singing or, you know, whatever career they have in the public eye. Like just what they do when they're just being a regular person. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't follow any per se but like i'm always i'm always interested to see like what oprah is picking for a book club because Mm -hmm. obviously she was kind of the pioneer of the whole uh celebrity book club thing and you know of course all hail oprah um (laughs) and she picks some really interesting stuff so i know for me Um, well, and, and honestly, like anyone who gets picked for some of these book clubs, it's, it usually means a big bump in sales. So I'm sure they, they get excited too when they get picked. But, uh, like one that stands out for me that was more recent was I, I ended up hearing more. I'm sure I would have heard buzz about it eventually, but I really heard a lot of buzz when she picked, uh, Colston White's head's the underground railroad. I was hoping you were going to bring that up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I, you know, I think I had kind of heard about it a little bit. But once she picked it, like there were more articles coming out about it, like talking about it and um, talking about its importance. And so that got me really excited for its release. And so I picked it up like release week and just devoured it. And it was amazing. And then I got to meet him that year at the National Book Festival and got to get my book signed by him. So like, it was just a really fun way to interact with someone I might not have picked up on my own. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that was an interesting case, too. Because if I recall, when she picked it for it's for her book club, they ended up bumping up the publishing date.
2: Yes, I think so. Because she was like, I want to read it this month. And they're like, Okay, Oprah wants to read it this month. Well, Oprah gets what she wants.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think she she said she was going to pick. She wanted to announce her book club pick that month, and so she was like, "I'm picking this, and I want to announce it now." So we're bumping up the publication date. And I I heard that I think on a podcast. So basically, Colson Whitehead got this phone call saying, "Like, hey." Your book's the new Oprah book. Also, we're publishing it now instead of whenever it was scheduled to be published. <laughs> yeah, I would be
0: so nervous in that kind of <laughs> circumstance. It's like my book isn't even out yet. Like, I I would, why does she want my book? Like, I would be freaking out. <laughs> she probably oh, yeah. I mean, got I mean, the galley or something, mm-hmm. though.
1: Yeah, yeah. She probably definitely. got an arc and was like, "This book is great" because it was a good book. I liked it, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, it was. And she probably was like, "This book is great." this is my new book club book. <laughs> so that's really cool.
2: Yeah. Now, do you remember though, where, cause we've had a, the dark side of the Oprah book club too. Dun, dun, dun. Do, do you remember the, <laughs> the whole like debacle with a million little pieces? Yes. So, I remember it happening. I didn't see it, but I remember it happening. So that was when she picked this memoir.
1: Yeah. And yes. like, you know, mm-hmm. like was
2: taught, to- talking it up like like it, it became like an, an instant bestseller because of this Cause oprah. And she, right, because <laughs> oprah right um and then she brought him on you know they because i think back in the day when she had her show like she would bring them on every month to yeah. do interviews yes. and stuff
1: and she i and, think she would talk like she'd ran her book club like book club with her audience like mm-hmm. she would ask them
2: mm-hmm. to talk
1: about the book too
2: Right. And so they brought him on and they're just talking about, oh, my gosh, you've had this, like, crazy, terrible life and blah, 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 blah. And then it came out later that, like, a lot of it was actually fiction (laughs) that he just Mm -hmm. made up Uh and was was pawning off as being a true memoir. And so, like.
0: Oh, man, uh, this is like a genuine Lockhart right here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And apparently she
1: confronted him. About it, like she brought. I don't know if she brought him back on the show again, or she found out when he was on the show. But she confronted him about it on the on the show. I think maybe she brought him back mm. yeah. because yeah. um, I like was you have some, some to do Yeah, <laughs> well, I was reading some articles about it, and um, they the one article that I saw was um, she brought him back on the show about five, six years after she originally had him on. Um, And she basically apologized because of the way she treated him when she confronted him about his memoir not being a memoir. Uh, Because he he received a lot of, you know, hostility for that when people realized it wasn't really a memoir. And also, you know, you tricked Oprah, apparently. That's, you know.
2: It's a cardinal sin right there.
1: That got people really fired up. He ended up having to leave the country. Wow. Yeah. So the he country. Moved, yeah, he moved to France. Oh, huh.
2: good grief. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, he lived in France for a while, but she eventually brought him back and she was apologizing. He was like, well, you were right to be upset. He's like, I shouldn't have marketed it as a memoir, and I knew that at the time. He's like, but I was having trouble getting it published. <laughs> Well, so uh, he is, so she was like, she's like, "I'm not apologizing for being upset, but I shouldn't have treated you the way I did, or I'm apologizing about the way I said it." and mm. stuff like that. So, but they, they came together over it, but I remember it happening. I remember people being like, "This man tricked Oprah." <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not so just the publishers, the...
0: just Oprah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, the publishers want I, I mm. offered to publish it as a memoir. That was how he got it published.
0: Oh, yeah. So they knew it was it was fiction. That's he
1: that's what he said in this um, article mm. that I was reading ye- yesterday. Fascinating. It that they that he had, was trying to publish it as a novel, and somebody um, somebody gave him the opportunity to publish it as a memoir. And he knew he should say no mm. that it is not a memoir. And he he just went mm. with it because he wanted it published.
2: The temptation was there, yep. and you took it, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's,
2: so it's you've weird. Got the, I'm not
1: sure how that happens, how somebody says to you, yeah. hey, how about we make your novel nonfiction?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but,
2: you know. So you've got the good side and the bad side to celebrity book clubs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> goodness at least being Oprah yeah I was gonna say
0: for a famous person too because yeah. I mean that's what what will happen like if you were lied to then you tell all the pu- the public like this book is great but now you're like oh it was a lie like I'm sure that was also embarrassing you know oh
2: yeah yeah so. definitely so I wonder if that affects any picks that these newer celebrity book clubs are picking because a lot of them do pick memoirs and mm-hmm. such Um, maybe they're not quite as outrageous as that one.
1: (laughs) And some of them have dedicated missions.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. Reese
1: Witherspoon's book club. Hello sunshine is definitely out to promote, um, books written by women.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: So like the, you know, that one's got a mission. So, uh, and, um, oh my gosh, Emma Watson. Nope. Yes, her yes, she's also kind of on the. Um, her book club is called Our Shared Shelf, and she does it through Goodreads. And she's her book club was also kind of on that mission to uh, promote. Yeah, feminism doesn't she? And she
2: market hers as a feminist book club. Yes, yes. I believe. Yep, it's yeah, a lot of feminist books.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. that you know, and. I, there's just so many now. There, um, there's a whole list of them that um, Book Riot did earlier this year, mm-hmm. and there's just so many. I don't actually follow them. Most of them, like Reese Witherspoon, does like a lot of pretty pictures of hers for Instagram. So I'll follow it on Instagram because it's pretty and books, <laughs> and I'll like. Oh, you know, it's hard to avoid Oprah announcing a new book pick. So I kind of keep track of those. And sometimes I really like them. But I don't participate. I don't actively try to follow. I deliberately didn't join Emma Watson's on Goodreads because I was like, I'm going to see it on Goodreads all the time because I'm on Goodreads almost every day. It's just gonna make me feel bad about myself that I'm not reading (laughs) and keeping up with all the people in this book club. So
2: because it's not like you're already in like four book clubs as it is. Like a million book clubs already, one a day. (laughs) I mean
1: yeah still but I did find out this week that Lauren Graham has a book club. Fun. Like so I followed that on Twitter because Lauren Graham, Gilmore Girls like Mm -hmm. you know. It'll be fun to see what she picks. But I'm still not planning on part- actually participating.
2: <laughs> so we're we're interested, but not interested enough.
1: <laughs> to, <laughs> to There's read. a lot of
2: books yeah. out there. It guys. is. I mean, it's too many books. I find it as a good way to find books to add to my TBR, but I'm not going to actively read them along with that book club. Yeah, if that makes sense. No. Nope. Um, and I would say probably maybe the most surprising one I found in that book riot article is Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine has a book club. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, and that one I found right. interesting because some yeah. of them
1: seem actually run by the celebrity, mm-hmm. like um, Reese Witherspoon's. I don't think is anymore, but it started because she would always like recommend books she was reading on her Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think Florence is she just recommends the books and somebody else takes care of the club, which is a lovely mm-hmm. way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a lot to do, but this is the book you guys should read.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I just, I was like, it's it's a great way to promote literacy, like saying, mm-hmm. hey, I can't actually do this, but I still want you guys to know what I'm reading. And I still want you guys out there reading if you're paying mm-hmm. attention to this, Yeah, which is nice.
0: And I think it helps the world be a little more eclectic, you know? Exactly. Like yeah. these, these people who follow these author or authors these celebrities and it's like oh read this thing and it's like oh i don't normally read it but this person recommended it so i'm totally gonna read it you know what i mean like exactly because people want to be a part of that
2: celebrity somehow and connect with them somehow so right yeah and i think the one i might be most excited about from that article was the one that andrew luck does yeah (laughs) his is so so cute it's so cute so he's an nfl star I couldn't tell you what team he plays for, but apparently he plays in the NFL. But he does, <laughs> he does a book club where he does picks for kids, for mm-hmm. the rookies, and then for you know the adults, the veterans. And I just think that's such a cute thing. So and it's nice. so good to see one, athletes reading, and two, male athletes reading, and mm-hmm. like saying that this is a cool thing to do. Yes, definitely. True. Um, Very true. It's just it's so yeah. nice,
0: like all these different people reading. Like I think it's good in general, like a good way. Of, like, hey, this pe- person reads. Like it's not just like a dork thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like anybody can read. There's a book for anybody. You know? Yes, exactly. So.
1: Um, there's a um, there's a person at my well, it's actually the librarian at my school who says like there's not necessarily anything there's not necessarily a book that she doesn't like but it's a book that she doesn't like right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it could just even be that right now is just not the right time sure. for that book. Yep. Or she's not the per- right person right now for that book. Mm-hmm. And in the past her per- future, her might be the right reader. But I was like, that that's so true. So, Oh, also Andrew Luck plays for the Colts.
2: Oh, thank uh, so. you. Okay.
1: If y'all are Colts fans <laughs> and if you're not try reading his books anyways, because reading is fun. It yep. doesn't matter what team you're on. Exactly. New tagline. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've actually read a bunch of eclectic readers' books that ended up being Oprah Book Club picks. Um, that We read A Hundred Years of Solitude, Anna Karenina, Love Warrior, and then back in our pre-podcast days, you know, four years ago or more, um, we read Wild and the Pillars of the Earth. Oh, you read a lot of them. Yeah. How'd you guys enjoy those?
0: I only liked one out of that
2: list. <laughs>
0: <Ooh>.
2: <laughs> was it The Pillars of the Earth? Yes, I love that book. <laughs> yes, that was the first book I picked when I joined Eclectic Readers. Yes.
1: I was going to bring that up, yeah. Oh, it's your so very first good.
2: book. Yep,
0: I did not like, I didn't really like the others. And this is why I don't do celebrity book clubs, really. It's like it's a, a lot of the times I don't like the book, so... <laughs>
1: Well, I li I liked three of those five, so you know, sixty percent accuracy, Oprah.
2: Yeah, that's not yeah, so bad. That's, that's not the worst. <laughs> like I loved Pillars, mm-hmm. and I liked Anna Karenina, uh, One Hundred Years of Solitude, and Wild were all right. And then I never got around to reading Love Warrior. <laughs> yeah, I didn't love
0: Love Warrior, which yeah, I'm okay yeah. with. Uh,
1: <laughs> yep, yeah. it's okay. Um, Anyway, so we asked our Twitter and Litzy followers what they thought of celebrity book clubs. Um, we did get a bunch of responses, so if you want to check those out, they were really good. Um, I think, um, I think this is a good summary of what we've been saying. Um, at SWT said, I think they one get people who might otherwise hesitate to pick up a book to read. Two, expose folks to more titles. And three, help undecided readers pick their next book. This person said they don't follow any celebrity book clubs myself, though I do see their picks listed in various newsletters. And I think that's a pretty good summary of what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it is a great way to expose people to books. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: Anything to get people reading more. Mm -hmm. Amen.
1: So, yeah.
2: All right, so the book that we were wanting you to read this month was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And a quick summary for that is, aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon, Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband has left her, and her professional life is going nowhere. Regardless of why Evelyn has selected her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's luxurious apartment, Monique listens in fascination as the actress tells her story, from making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the 80s, and, of course, the seven husbands along the way. Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love. Monique begins to feel a, a real connection to the legendary star, but as Evelyn's story nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in a tragic and irreversible way. Huh. So, there was, there was a lot of drama in this book, that's for sure.
1: Really? Uh, what, you thought I so?
2: Yes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, what was one thing that stood out to you in this book? So as I read this book, I kept thinking about
1: our conversation last month because we discussed how we prefer likable characters. And most of the time, we really need our characters to be likable. Mm. And I didn't find any character in this book likable. But I found myself so compelled to keep reading. And I kept thinking, this is how you do an unlikable protagonist. This mm. is it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Because I just kept... Reading and I was like, I disagree with ninety nine percent of what's happening in this book, and yet <laughs> I'm turning the page.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah. Um, for me, it was because I I know nothing about this book um, going in. Um, how socially diverse it is, right? Yeah, it is. Um, mm-hmm culturally ethically or ethnically um not as much but i mean this was in the 1950s right it starts in the 1950s yeah that's yes. when yeah. she okay.
2: starts her hollywood life right
0: at least. yeah so i um so like i can see why like it's with with the direction she's going why it's not really culturally and ethnically diverse even though she is cuban um she doesn't really talk about that, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but like socially, it is incredibly
2: diverse, and that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so this this story is fictional. Um, <laughs> it was it was marketed as fiction, not as a memoir. <laughs> uh, so, but that being said, the author did pull from a lot of real-life celebrities and kind of the stories that are coming out about them now. So was there anyone that stuck out to you that you think she used as inspiration?
0: I am the worst person to ask this question. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I just I just don't follow celebrity life that closely currently, and I don't really ever, like, follow past stars and, like, know about their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So, if you ask me about any past scandals and things like that, like I have no clue. <laughs> um, what happened? Who divorced whom? Who went out with whom? Like, I have no clue about that. So, I was basically like a blank canvas in that aspect. It's like, no, no one relationship reminded me of anybody. Okay. Yep.
2: What about you,
1: Jeanette? Well, I like a lot of old movies and stuff, so I could feel, you know, Evelyn fitting in. With those celebrities, like it was the way it was written, I definitely saw her as being part of that world. but I actually didn't connect her with any particular celebrity while I was reading. afterwards, I actually thought about Rock Hudson because he was gay and I think he was kind of secretly known to be gay. It was like one of those everybody knows it, but nobody's talking about it things or mm-hmm. mm-hmm. from what I have read um that's kind of. The impression that I got from the few things I've read about him, but there were rumors that his wife was a lesbian, and that reminded me of the setup with Evelyn, Harry, Celia, and John.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting! Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: okay. So I don't know how true any of that is because you know, a little before my time, but just a bit, right? Yeah. (laughs) But that I that rumor came to mind after I had finished reading the book. I was like, wait a minute feel like I heard something
2: and I had yeah. to go and look it up. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's so kind of while, I was reading, while I was reading it, I kept thinking about Elizabeth Taylor because I know mm-hmm. she was married a bunch of times, one of which was a very tumultuous relationship, or at least one of them. I can't speak to all of them. And then just the whole, like, blonde bombshell look that Evelyn was going for reminded me of Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. and how she probably wasn't taken as seriously as she should have been. Um, But then I found an interview with the author who um, did, you know, say, yeah, a lot of it was from Elizabeth Taylor. But then um, Rita Hayworth was kind of the inspiration for the Cuban side of Evelyn because Rita was Spanish and then had to kind of make herself more white to be able to get into the movies back then. Interesting. Um, But she colored her hair red, I believe, instead of bleaching it blonde like Evelyn. And then probably the most interesting one, which I didn't know anything about, was Ava Gardner. So apparently in the 80s, Ava Gardner hired a ghostwriter and told him everything. And like they had tapes of all these conversations for a memoir. Interesting. So she was going to go on the record about her marriages to Mickey Rooney and Frank Sinatra and Artie Shaw and Lana Turner. So then she was bisexual as well. Um, and so like they were, they were preparing to put this book out. And Ava started getting cold feet because apparently Frank Sinatra was putting pressure on her to not put the book out. So wow. they didn't, and then in 2013, once Ava and the Ghostwriter had died, the book was published. <laughs> wow! So apparently, if you're interested, it's called Ava Gardner: The Secret Conversation. So I kind of want to read that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's
1: Interesting. Yeah. Huh.
2: Yeah. So it's so I think it's an interesting blend of fiction, but with kind of real life things that happened for these celebrities that couldn't be who they wanted to be at that time you know especially in like in the 50s and 60s and everything right um so we see that throughout her life evelyn is having to hide her true self whether it was bleaching her blonde hair to look less cuban or keeping her bisexuality a secret Uh, So in what ways does her relationship to her Cuban identity parallel her experiences with her sexuality? And in what ways do they differ?
1: I found those two things very, very similar because it's all to keep her image intact, keeping her marketable.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But interestingly, I thought that over the course of her life, she was able to come to terms with her bisexuality more uh quickly than with her cuban heritage and i don't know if that's because of her relationship with her family
2: oh that's interesting yeah but
1: i i really think you know it was much earlier or maybe it's because she had that connection with celia but it was it seems like earlier in the book she was like you know what I would do anything for Celia. I love her. But it wasn't until she went to live in Spain that she was like, okay, I can speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. I can, mm-hmm. you know, well, cook my heritage, my, you know, my traditional food. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Because I feel like there were points in the book where like – um Gosh, I don't remember what husband she was on at the time, but mm-hmm. when she had a maid that was speaking Spanish and then yes. like, you know, she was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you know, I speak Spanish too and I know what you were saying." And then she feels like a total fake and mm-hmm. like a phony to be like but it's her it is her actual heritage, but she had like gone so far from it that even like speaking Spanish made her feel like she shouldn't be, you know, it was yeah. it was an interesting kind of setup there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I definitely can
1: relate to that. Um, Mm -hmm. I was talking the other day about how, um, growing up, there were very few, um, Hispanic or, um, Latino kids in my school. And so I, and I didn't speak Spanish, so, but I wasn't, most of the kids in my school were actually some kind of like Irish or European descent, and it, I always felt like I stood out around St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's like St. Patrick's Day, we're all Irish, and I was like, I'm not. I might be like four percent Irish if you go like back thirty thousand generations. <laughs> um. So I always felt like, oh, I don't, I don't fit here. But then we went to live in Ecuador, and my Spanish was definitely accented. I was still learning at the time. I had never lived outside of the U S so it's like, I don't fit here. So I definitely understand that feeling of feeling like a phony, no matter where you are. But
2: -hmm. yeah. And that's tough. That's a tough thing to feel. Yeah. And we do also see that with Monique in this story because Monique's father was black and her mother was white. And so she does say, you know, growing up, she always felt like she was too black for the white friends, not black enough for black friends. You know, like, where do you fit in? Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with
0: you, Jeanette. Um, It definitely took her longer to kind of come into her Cuban identity more than, but then I feel like she was working harder to become more accepting of her bisexuality, you know, like that's, That's that's what she worked more towards on instead of her Cuban side, you know? And right, because she, she wanted to make it work with Celia. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. she was more comfortable with her bisexuality and her love with Celia. And then she's like, now I can take the time to focus on my heritage. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, those are big things. So I can see why, like, I mean, she probably consciously didn't do it, but I can see subconsciously, subconsciously ugh, um, like, focus on this one thing and then focus on the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So she obviously divulges so many secrets in this book and not all of them are our secrets just about her you know like we hear about like that car accident with harry mm-hmm. and like um you know the the husband that was gay that was married to celia and like all of these things so do you feel like this story was truly hers to tell
1: Um, I mean, I have to be honest. And I don't know if, you know, this is going to make me sound like, oh, I'm disrespectful to these people's memories, but they're fictional people, so hopefully they'll forgive me. <laughs> but um, at the time when she's divulging these secrets, there are so few people left to be hurt by her revelations. I don't actually think she's doing anything particularly harmful. At this point, there are very, very few people that would have been hurt. And some of them would probably have already known Mm -hmm. the secrets. So, and it's one of the few times I actually don't think she's actively hurting um, a lot of people. Hmm. You know? Hmm. But, well,
0: because I'm thinking, like, you don't really hear about... Uh, the family and friends outside of that little circle. Do you know what I mean? Like the people involved, mm-hmm. like you don't hear about her in-laws or anything like that. I think if some of those relations were still alive, they might be hurt. You know, it's like, well, my uncle or whatever was nothing like that. How dare you say that about him, you know? Um, but at the same time, I feel like some of the things she wanted to tell, you had to know the background of these people. You had to know where they were coming from or else her story wouldn't make sense.
2: Yeah. Sure. I mean, there would have been way too many holes in the story, I mm-hmm. suppose, for yeah. yeah, to be, to be with any fluidity. Um But I still just wonder, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. I think, well, especially the big one with like, so, you know, Harry killed a guy when he was drunk driving. Like, that's, mm-hmm. yes, uh, you know, I, uh-
1: and that one's actually, that one I think is the most harmful right. story that is revealed. That's mm-hmm. the one where I think she actually does hurt people. Mm-hmm. But I think she hurts people. That one I f- almost feel is kind of necessary because I think they deserve to know the truth.
2: Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but for other ones, I mean, for them to say, for her to say something like, you know, Oh, I completely fooled this guy into marrying me, or oh, this marriage with um, Rex North was a fake all along. Right, we were b- j- both just doing it to try and you know boost our movies. Like, there's very few people that are going to be hurt by that anymore. Right. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Rex North's kids, but at the same time the way celebrity works is that people are always bringing up your past. So there's a good chance they knew he was married to Evelyn Hugo at some point or another. And so the fact, you know, the fact that it's brought up that it's was, it wasn't a real marriage might not hurt them at all. They knew that the marriage existed.
2: Mm Hmm. Well, and that's kind of, uh, that's one of the the bad things about celebrities. You know, your kids grow up hearing all kinds of stuff about Mm -hmm. you that, normal children wouldn't know about their parents and that's got to be tough um but i guess it it is part of part of the job yeah sure you know now if if you might be you know guessing from context clues if you haven't read the book evelyn was married to seven seven different men (laughs) what (laughs) i know (laughs) so let's talk about the husbands and then also the wife so Husband number one, um, and the um, these little descriptors were in these sections for each husband. So I'm not making them up. They're from the book. So number one, poor Ernie Diaz. Number two, goddamn Don Adler. <laughs> number three, gullible Mick Riva. Number four, clever Rex North. Number five, brilliant, kind-hearted, tortured Harry Cameron. Number six, disappointing Max Girard. Number seven, agreeable uh, Robert Jameson. And then if you want to talk on number eight, her wife, Celia St. James. So just like opened up, open discussion. Who do you want to talk about? Like, what did you think about these relationships? Anyone in particular you want to talk about?
1: Well, some of these descriptors are just spot on. I was just about to say that. Like poor Ernie Diaz is poor Ernie Diaz. (laughs) Like he is the one I probably feel most sorry
0: for for sure he was so used you know and like but he was kind of oblivious yeah like uh,
2: just poor guy yeah but i mean like he got out early like i don't i don't know like i don't (laughs) i made it out bad for him i mean he pretty like at least according to evelyn he pretty much knew he was marrying an underage girl Mm-hmm. And just did it because he knew he wasn't ever going to get as good of a looking wife as this. So I think he kind of knew he was being used and was hoping it would just last longer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Just take what he could get, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah the the Mick Riva one, um, it took me a second to remember which one he was. But that was the one, the Vegas one.
1: Yeah. Um, yes.
0: And, like, I, I really felt bad for him did you he he ended up getting exactly (laughs) what he wanted yeah i mean he was like i didn't like him like but he was just so brutally used you know what i mean um with rex like she went to him and she's like hey this is our business plan this is what i'm planning this is what we're doing to make our careers work
2: you know Right, right. Yeah, that one was much more calculated for both parties. Right. With Mick, she was
0: basically taking the situation in her own hands and manipulating everybody to keep what she wanted. And she didn't discuss it with anybody.
2: No, I, that, that is very true. I mean, this was her, like, th- this was an interesting section because we got to see her in her, like, actor mode. right. Because I think this was one of them that was written in like second person for it was some of it? second yes, person. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which was interesting, and so it's like so we get to see it from her perspective of like, yeah, how she's calculating, how she's saying these things, doing these things to make him do what she wants him to do, mm-hmm. but, but you at know at the and- same
1: time, like he basically you know he his attitude is, oh, great, I get to go on this date with this." Gorgeous woman, I get to you know marry her in like a five second ceremony. I get to sleep with her, and then I'm gonna leave her. I've gotten what I need.
0: Oh no, he was an idiot, and he was terrible. Like, <laughs> like
1: I don't, I don't feel bad for like, yeah, because in the you know, in the you know alternate universe where Evelyn is actually trying to have a real date with him, basically. As soon as he got got what he wanted from her, he would have left her anyways.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is why, like, I don't, like, I I feel feel sorry sorry for him, him. like, with how he was used as a person. Like, he's a terrible person. Like, I don't like him. But, like, and I think that ties into the next question. Sorry, Meredith. Um, (laughs) Like, that's just, she was just thinking how it would work for her. I think. And nobody deserves to be lied to like that. Even if you are a bad person, you know, if you're a bad person, you're a bad person. But she was just brutally using this guy to where even Celia was like, this is not what I wanted. You did all this, all these terrible things for like, for not. You thought you were helping, but you weren't, you know. Um, So I think I'm thinking of it like in a very more, more. Uh broad? Like the more bigger picture? Yeah. I guess I think
1: um, my big picture is he was also using her. Yeah, exactly. So and I don't maybe
2: but maybe I'm just more callous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't because I don't feel bad for him at all. Maybe I'm just more callous, but he got exactly what he wanted and he left right. her and he didn't know he was being used. I think um,
0: it's more anger about the situation how she approached it because like i guess i don't feel bad for him i guess i'm angry at the situation um because when he left she's like this is what he wanted he likes he likes walking away he likes doing this um but even still i was like this is this wasn't this still wasn't right to me you know
1: yeah Yeah. no she she's just she does that she manipulates and she uses people Mm -hmm. and I found it interesting that you know she calls Robert Jameson the agreeable Robert Jameson,
2: because mm-hmm. I'm
1: not really sure what Robert Jameson got out of that deal. Like he he got a family. That's he got everything
0: he wanted without sacrifice. Like he got a family, like Meredith said, and he got to like um, see as many women as he want as he wanted to, as long as he was discreet. So like to the Public, he's like, here's this upstanding guy with the family, yet he still got to do what he wanted, you know?
2: Yeah, was, I mean, maybe it's Robert because there was that more Rex. Like, I don't remember if if Robert was a big philanderer. Or not. I think that was both. Well, he
1: was a he was Robert was. Um,
2: Talking Robert, Robert was all the Spanish uh, woman,
1: <laughs> very much about the ladies mm-hmm. and seeing you know, as many women as he could or something like that. But this, when they're describing how that situation in that part of the book is all set up, it seems like it, there's so little description given to what Robert really cares about, what Robert was really like, what he really wanted. Um, I wasn't sure what he was actually getting out of this deal. Like, why would he agree to this? I mean, yes, it's nice to be able to have a family and still sleep with people on the side if that's your thing. But, I mean, was that... Is that enough to enter into a marriage with somebody you don't even know? Because at that point, he didn't even know her.
2: Well, I mean, he knew her through his sister, Celia. I mean, I think he did it too for Celia. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, But, but, I I mean... my brother is one of my favorite people in the whole world and I'm not going to marry one of his friends just to help him out. <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, maybe this is like the super fiction part, you know, or it's yeah. like, maybe this did really happen back in the day with celebrities, you know, like, we don't know. Oh,
1: I um. know. It's, it's kind of, I think that's one of the things I didn't enjoy about that particular section mm-hmm. is that's kind of left so vague
0: yeah i mean the
1: actual relationship with the other husbands is described so much more clearly than it is with robert yeah
0: i totally understand but i think maybe that was on purpose then it just came to me like this was just an agreement to so to be with celia and that's all it was she didn't really care about him she didn't really like she didn't get to know him really you know what i mean
2: like the other ones um she found him
1: agreeable yeah exactly
2: (laughs) he was a good dad to yes. her teenage daughter after that's losing true. her yep. father. Yep. That's true. And, like, she actually was ended up being really close to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, and may, maybe it was, you know, again, this is fiction, so maybe it was just one of those things where it's a little too convenient right. that she has a brother <laughs> that's not married that's, like, totally cool with marrying, like, having a sham marriage and mm-hmm. moving to Spain. And, you know, like, right. I don't know. But I by then sleep they were like Spanish
1: women. Yeah. I'll yeah. be your fake husband. Right, right. Yeah.
2: But he was like in his 50s or 60s, so maybe by then he was just like, well, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get married on my own anyway. So Right. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, yeah.
0: So, but it did take me like even while listening to that section, I was like, wait, why does she marry Robert again? So I did have to think about it, Jeanette. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. But oh my gosh, Harry. Oh. Harry. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's sad. Oh, man, their love, like, because they really did have a strong love between them, Mm -hmm. just not, you know, a sexual love. And I really did like their relationship, you know, even when they were just friends, Mm -hmm. like when she first, like, that that was like her first supporter when she moved out to L.A. to start. And, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, Harry. Yeah, I mean, not only, you know, the whole stigma of being gay back then. You know, but, like, just he couldn't totally be himself. He has to like do all this you know deception to get his happiness, and then his the love of his life passes, oh, uh, and then, like the whole time when she's talking about his drinking, I was like, "No, Harry, come back, yeah, you have more to live for, Yes, oh, it was so sad, um, I mean, I'm glad. He was able to have that happiness with, um, hold on. Okay. I can't remember Celia's husband's name, uh, John, John. Um, I'm so glad he had that. But at the same time, it's like, I wish he had more happiness, you know? Like it wasn't after. just for this one person. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess he was getting, um, but that wasn't going to pan out, you know? Uh, Hurts my heart.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Hurts my heart. Do you have anything else to add before we move on, Jeanette?
1: Um, Just that of all her fake marriages, I mean, I think Harry is like the happiest one, but I was most entertained by Rex North.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they really made that fake marriage work for them.
1: They did. And I thought it was just...
2: I thought it was great. I thought it was so
1: entertaining because it was so, it was so, like, movie Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, we'd show up, we'd wear glamorous, I'd wear a glamorous dress, he'd look gorgeous in his tuxedo. And then we'd go home and we'd go to our separate bedrooms and say goodnight. (laughs) And we were so happy and glamorous, just, you know, charming and
2: everything worked. It was just like... This is hilarious. It's
0: yeah, because they both had like they both agreed to the terms. They both agreed this is what they wanted, you know. Right. It was. There's nothing. And they both were like, "Hey,
1: we're getting such. You know, we're getting such great. um, We're getting such great press for our films.
0: Exactly. Yep. Mm
1: -hmm. And you know, I I, obviously not advocating for sham marriages at all, but like. (laughs) It was to me the most entertaining, cause it, like <laughs> gave the most like old Hollywood picture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in my glamorous dress, lie by my pool, say goodnight to my very handsome husband. Oh, but it's all fake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all fake. <laughs> yeah. So there's two different times where Celia pretty much leaves Evelyn over things that she's mad about. (laughs) So the first one was after the whole uh, Mick Riva thing, Mm -hmm. because people started seeming to get wise to the fact that these two women are spending an awful lot of time together. What's going on here? So, you know, that whole plan with getting Mick to marry her and, you know, just like dissolve the marriage overnight was to like get people off their tail. So we have that time. And then the time when uh, Evelyn is doing a, a movie with her ex-husband, Don Adler, which I will also add, is like the one that she actually married for love and like mm-hmm. really felt desire for, yeah. which was pretty much the only man she ever really did. A little bit with Max, but mostly yeah, with Don. with Max. Yeah, mostly She did with seem Dawn. to
1: love Max, uh, but yeah. not in the same way she loved Don.
2: Yep. Right. And so then they end up like having a pretty graphic sex scene. So, like, these two things were just too much for Celia to deal with, and then she leaves, and then they end up spending, like, so much time apart that, you know, Evelyn later regrets that they spent so much time apart. But do you, do you feel like Celia was right in either one of those times to be so angry and, like, to just throw their relationship out the window because of it?
1: So, yes and no is kind of my answer. The first time with Mick, I kind of understood where she was coming from, though I kind of think it's about a difference in perspective also, because Evelyn comes to Celia and says, look, I'm going to fake marry Mick Riva, and it's going to throw everybody off our trail. And Celia is like, I don't like it, but okay. But that's all the communication that happens between them in terms of this plan, Hmm. And Evelyn never kind of outlines nope. that she's planning to sleep with Mick nope. to make it real for him and to make him want to leave her.
2: Right. <laughs> and
1: so, and I think Evelyn just kind of assumed that that was understood. Like, hey, a fake wedding night is going to have, you know, sex in it. And Celia was thinking, okay quickie marriage in Vegas, and then the next day you turn around and you're like, oh no, what have we done? And so I can, I I understand her being angry in that situation. And I understand exactly how that miscommunication came. And I can understand wanting to leave. But the second time she kept saying that she wanted Evelyn to be able to do this film, that this film was going to be so important. She wanted Evelyn to do this scene And she wanted her, and she wanted to be okay with it. And then she leaves her for it. So it came off to me that she was saying that it was about the scene. But I think it was more about Evelyn's communication. And if it was really about the scene, if it was something that she really wanted to be okay with, which she kept saying, she's like, I want you to be able to do this. I want to be okay with it. Then I felt like it was worth working on the relationship Like, working on that pain, working through it. Mm. So it came off to me, like, maybe it was more about the communication than it was about the actual scene, but that's not what she's saying.
0: Mm -hmm. But remember, Evelyn didn't tell Celia until after she did it.
1: Right. And I think that's why she was angry. That she was angry that Evelyn didn't talk to her about it beforehand.
0: But that's a reminder of what happened before. And she's like, I don't want to deal with this kind of hurt. Like she was not given a choice. She was not given or like it wasn't talked to straight with her. Um, Again, she was kind of shunted to the side because Evelyn was thinking of herself first before she was thinking of Celia. So I think she has every right to feel angry. Um and I can see why she felt like she had to leave because she felt like she wasn't really being heard. And this is another big moment that's like, this is a huge thing. And you didn't tell me till after the fact. Apparently, my opinion doesn't really matter that much. Um, and remember with the first one, Celia, or, um, Evelyn doesn't tell Celia exactly what happened to tell until, until Evelyn said, like, I'm pregnant, <laughs> yeah, that was, like that's yes, huge. But I think
1: in the first situation, I think Evelyn, because Evelyn did say to her, "This is my plan to fake marry this dude." I think she thought Celia would understand that they were going to sleep together.
0: No, definitely. I, really, I
1: don't think that. I don't think that's a genuine, I'm not communicating with you situation. I think that was a miscommunication. Right. But Evelyn then thought the she had said one, everything she needed to say. Right. The but, second one is where Evelyn actually doesn't tell her. And so, and but even then, Celia just, Celia just keeps saying, like, oh, I wanted to be okay with it. And then Evelyn's like, well, I already did it. And that's when Celia gets mad. Right. right. But she's just yeah. been saying, like... She's just been saying, like, oh, I want you to be able to do it. So I think her making it about the scene and not about the communication is what frustrated me. I was like, Mm. clearly this is about the communication thing. This is not about the thing. okay.
2: So here's another perspective then. I do think a lot of it was with the communication for the second time. But do you think Celia would have had as much of a problem with this scene if it had been with someone other than... Her ex-husband that she actually loved and, like, used to enjoy doing these types of things with. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I think that, I think Celia definitely felt threatened by that.
0: But see, if Evelyn was more forthcoming and talked to her in the beginning, they could have talked through it then. But she wasn't even given that, you know?
2: And I think Evelyn even, and maybe it's, you know, the hindsight is twenty twenty, mm-hmm. but but Evelyn does say, like, I should have talked to her. Like, I right. knew I was pushing this off. I knew I was avoiding it. Right. Yeah. Because it was going to be a problem.
1: And, well, and I think when she's, when she's explaining the scene to Celia finally, I think she is surprised by how understanding Celia is. Like, Celia immediately gets on board with, like, oh – they want you to. They want to understand why your character is married to this character. Okay, they want to understand the passion between them. Oh, they want to be more. Gra- like she immediately is connecting all the dots, and Evelyn is like pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, you do get where I'm coming from with this. So that's you interesting. You do see, and then, because- and so I think it is more about the other stuff. Celia does feel threatened. She does feel like it's a lack of communication.
0: So in the audiobook, I feel like that was read more hesitantly and more like quietly.
1: Mm, interesting. So
0: I mm. felt like she was just kind of saying yes to make her happy and trying to be logical about it and ignoring her feelings.
1: Mm. See, and I read it as Celia, Celia understanding this as a, you know, professional. Right. I read it as Celia's like, oh. I understand. So, so like we're talking about the character and Celia approaching it as, you know, okay. If I were the actress in this situation, having this conversation with the director, right? This is how I would have interpreted the director's statements. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I. Oh, man, I feel like because I, I caught. Like, I feel like it was a little more toned down, and like the voice was very, um, um hesitant. You know, so I was thinking the opposite.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. It's just ha- all how you interpret the book. Huh? Yep. <laughs> hmm. Now I know we need to start wrapping up here, but we can't completely ignore the whole second storyline of this book, um, <laughs> even though we might want to. Uh, I was like, "Can't we?" <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess real quick in in a sense um what did you think about monique's storyline throughout this whole book was it needed like what did you think about this whole twist with her father like how are you feeling about it
0: i the twist with the father i felt what was a little much um but i did like monique's story because it was talking about how um like her taking an opportunity, it's like, this is conflicting with my job, but this is like a really great opportunity and make a lot of money with this book. And um, her relation, her relationship with her husband, ex-husband, um, was, I thought it would go into a little more detail about that because she was talking about how much it was affecting her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I just felt like it wasn't flushed out. I think it would have been better if it was a little more not just a device, you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was, it was severely underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. It
1: was. Yes. I mean, and at first I kind of liked having that break from Evelyn because Evelyn is so awful so often. Right. But it just, it doesn't have anything to it. And like you said, this whole plot line with her husband, is basically over in a page or two. Mm-hmm. Like the husband comes back and she's like, actually, she's like, She's like, our marriage is over. And I'm like, what? Like, you've been so sad about the end of your marriage and you're talking about how nobody understood how important he was and how, you know, wonderful your relationship was. And now you're like, no, actually, you know, I didn't love you as much as I thought I did. I'm like, What?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I spent the last, like, week or two talking with this old celebrity, and now my whole life vision has changed, and (laughs) I don't need you, and, like, it just seemed... Yeah, yeah. you were never my other half. I didn't really love you that much.
1: It's like, not you were basically just saying, you know, a few chapters ago how nobody understood how much he meant to you, Mm -hmm. how much you loved him. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't know, it just felt so undeveloped, and the second, when the twist came with her father, like, the second... That they described what happened in that car accident. I'm like, I know who this man is. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know what this twist is. Um, and I didn't particularly love it because it felt... At that point, it kind of... It felt forced. It felt unnecessary something, you know? Yeah, it just yeah, didn't yeah. fit.
0: I felt confused. I was like, what what, what happened? Like, I was working, you know? And I'm like, okay... What? Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like, I, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know how to feel now. <laughs>
2: like, I'm not even angry like Monique is. I'm not, like, I don't know what to feel. <laughs> yeah. So, in our real life book club, when we first started talking about it, you know, I was asking how everyone liked it. And uh, one of our members, Kim, was saying that she really did like it, but she didn't love it. And she couldn't figure out what stopped her from getting to love. And so then we then you know, after talking about everything else, we were talking about Monique and I think that's kind of where we were getting to was like, maybe it was the whole Monique storyline that like stopped it from being a love. And so then I will pose this question to you two that I posed to her. Do you think that this book should have just gone like one hundred percent gung ho to be a fake memoir? Like Written it as, like, Evelyn Hugo was an actual old celebrity and just, like, been her story without this Monique storyline. Do you think that would have been better? Or do you think we still needed some sort of break or some sort of other storyline?
1: I definitely think that would have been an interesting premise. I think it would have been a lot of fun. With this particular story, I wonder about getting whatever it is, 300-something pages of straight Evelyn. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that would have been exhausting because I do not find her likable. And there are very, a lot of times um I think it was Ben Phillip who described this as like kind of a he was like it's kind of gives you that like trashy celebrity vibe. Like I think if it had been like 300 something pages of straight up Evelyn it would have been less like, okay, I'm dipping into like this trashy celebrity vibe. And at the end, I would have felt like, ugh, I feel exhausted. And, you know, I feel like my hands would have been dirtied by, by <laughs> like association with all of Evelyn's <laughs> like, you know, crazy manipulations. So I do, I did appreciate the breaks. I just, I would have rather not had Monique's story, but I don't know if that would have made. Evelyn's story overwhelming Mm, Okay, but I do say I, I will say that probably one of my favorite scenes in the book is a Monique scene and that's when she goes to her boss and she's like so Evelyn wants to give me her her memoirs so this is how we're gonna do it I'm getting a promotion I'm getting these memoirs you're gonna get your news article everybody's gonna be happy And she kind of takes charge of that situation because she was put in a terrible position. And the way she took charge of that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that was was good because I I was getting very nervous for her every time she kept putting it off and putting it off. And I was like, Evelyn has to give you something for the magazine. She has to do an article. She has to do something like this is totally messed up if she doesn't. And so I'm glad it, it worked out. Yeah.
1: And it was making me a little anxious for her, too. And I think that is one of the best kind of taking charge scenes we actually see in the entire book. So I, I have to give Monique that credit.
2: Good job, Monique. <laughs> all right. So in in the end, with all that said and done, did you like the book? I did.
1: Yep. I'm not sure I could revisit I it. it cause, yeah, Evelyn is exhausting, but I liked it.
2: she is exhausting she's too much (laughs) yeah I really did like it I felt it just like a compulsive read I I actually had to make myself put it down for a couple of days because I was reading it too quickly I I was like reading it husband by husband so like my Goodreads updates probably looked ridiculous because I was like
1: got through the second husband today only five more to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I did I read it very quickly
2: All right. So our next book is not this genre at all. (laughs) No. It is actually a book of poetry. And it is A Thousand Mornings by Mary Oliver. Yay. So we're finally getting poetry in. (laughs) I I know. I'm both
1: excited and intimidated.
0: Yeah, right? I feel the same way. (laughs) So... Uh, there are some interesting links about celebrity book clubs that people can go look at and all the books that we've talked about at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 65. And people can find us on Let's See at Eclectic Readers and Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod. And where can people find you, lovely ladies?
1: Uh, well, you can find me on Goodreads and Litzy at J-M-T Rivera. That's J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A. Or you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette, D R J E A N N E T T E.
2: How about you, Meredith? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Litzy, and Goodreads, all under Mare the Book Gal, which is M E R E T H E B O O K G A L.
0: And people can find me at Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy. Uh, at Rudi kaicho that's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts since that is still the best way for people to get their um, podcast episodes and looking for new podcasts. Um, and I think that's it. So let's go ahead and show this until next month. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.